Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with the steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, dear blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, dear blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the delight of a single half that before thy throne I stand. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Several pages back, three two hundred eighty-two hiding in thee. Oh, save to the Oh, 
we're singing, we're going to ask one of your men to pray. On the mic, would you lead us in prayer, please? Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather here to worship you, to hear the word of God preached. Bless, ask your blessing upon the service. Pray that you'll bless the preaching of the word of God, that you'll prepare everybody's hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. Be with those who are unable to be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Sing 326. 326. More about Jesus, 326. All right, pick up on the first. More about Jesus, would I know more of his grace? Jesus. 
have is special. It's a special special. And I'm just going to play the ukulele. Now she asked me to accompany her on the harmonica and we practice on the three times. So. this morning that she's gonna play. Oh boy, that was nice. I love the guitar and any stringed instrument and I can't do any of them so I really like and appreciate good stuff like that. Wow. Alright. Um about to see you in church today. Uh Renee Peterson is visiting with us. Um happy to see her. They haven't been here for two years I think about two years and uh miss your miss your husband Zach. I remember when he taught here it was so good I wish I'd asked him earlier to teach. So good. Good to see you, Renee. And um, let's see. Uh, no Chinese service today because Nathan is sick. Little David is sick too. And then uh, in your bulletin, your email bulletin, there's some birthdays this week. See, Miranda's birthday is on the 16th, so she's not here today for that. But anyway, happy birthday, Miranda. And she's watching. So everybody say happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. No, no, you need to say happy birthday, Miranda. Happy birthday, Okay, Francis, come meet us and happy birthday. Right here, come here, come right here. So she sees you. And also, also along that line, Emily Peterson's birthday is on the 23rd. And uh, Nathan and Kristen has an anniversary on the 26th. Mista's birthday on the 28th. And Brother Bobby on the 29th. Happy birthday to all of them. Sing. Yeah, sing. You want me to play? Yeah. 
Okay, I'll look forward to that one. Okay, uh, after church, uh, are you still on for after church? Okay, after church, uh, guys, before you go on today, can you stack the chairs up, move it to the side because um, uh, Janice is going to mop and clean the floor. So let's help them out and then um, we'll put the church back on Wednesday night before church starts, okay? Appreciate you doing that. Um, well, the theme for the year, we hope that'll be at the forefront of your minds is uh, drawing close to Christ coming from James 4 8 and uh, closer to Christ is the theme and so I'm amazed how Francis always picks out congregation songs that lead in that direction so um, I hope that this year will be a good year spiritually for you where you draw yourself closer to Christ and uh, he wants to be closer to us but it's a matter of if you will make the effort to get close to him so this year should be uh, the emphasis and uh, other things are important too, but I felt like um, we should start the new year with uh, focusing on our relationship to Christ, our Savior, and make that the priority. And so whatever it would take for you in your private life to get close to Him, then uh, I hope you would make an effort to do that. Uh, they say that it takes only 10 days for you to break your vows for New Year's. In 10 days, you drop everything that you promised on New Year's Eve. That's what they say. I don't know if they're right or not. I don't know how they compile the stats, but it could be true. So whatever promises you made to the Lord for New Year's Eve for the coming year, uh, it's very likely that it's gonna, you know, diminish because you know the the feeling is over, the the emotions over, and the, the 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 need. I hope this will continue, and I will try to remind you publicly and other means too, just to get you and me going in the right direction okay so one thing I want to encourage you about is this whatever anybody else does you do what you should do whatever anybody else does or does not do you do what you should do Peter uh, the Lord said to Peter one time about uh, who is grace in the kingdom Jesus said to Peter what is that to thee he was saying what is it to you if I promote this disciple or this disciple and I don't this disciple he's what is that to thee he said this, follow thou me. So with that in mind, whatever whatever you, anybody does, it should not matter to you. You follow Christ closer this year than last year. That's the important thing. So never mind about comparing or um, measuring yourself against someone. You do what you ought to do, okay? And I would do what I need to do. And so... Uh, I have some I have some things I like to do this year. Some are repeat from last year, but some are different. And so I will try as much as you should try to keep um, uh, focus in the right direction. Okay, so that's the theme. James 4, 8. Let's see what James 4, 8 says, then we'll get into the message today. James chapter 4. Turn there in your Bibles, please. We'll read it out loud together. James chapter 4. Who uses 3x5 cards anymore? I don't know. 
And it's kind of a good practice to write things out. Do you know that President Reagan wrote everything out in his speeches on cards? He wrote everything out by hand. And he would always write to people who wrote to him if he replied. If he got to his attention, he would write back in a handwritten reply on official presidential stationery. And there's a book about his replies to people. It's very impressive how he took time to write to people that wrote to him. Hebrews, James, James chapter 4. Let's stand for just a second. <clears throat> James chapter 4. And verse number 8. Now let us read with a little bit of enthusiasm as if you are alive. I know it's been cold the last couple of days. In Kaneohe, it was down to 59 degrees. That's, that's cold for us uh, locals. Yeah. And on the mainland, you folks, that's nice. That's t-shirt, tank top weather. But not for us. So I hope you read this with gusto. Let's do that, please. Verse number eight, together. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So the first phrase of that verse, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I tell you the truth, once again, that God wants you and me to draw closer to him, and it is up to us to draw closer to him. So whatever it takes, draw close to him. Now remain standing. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your help this morning in this service. Bless all of us as we have assembled together to know something from your word, to learn something, to review something, but to hear from you most of all. So bless the simple message, and it is intended to help us to draw closer to you. And I pray that you accomplish that today in people's hearts. May we think about what the Bible says. May for a few minutes forget about the outside, what's beyond the walls of the church. Help us to focus upon what you say today. May it strengthen us. May it help us. Today and this week and this year, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. Now, I like sports, and I think most men like sports, and it's just, it's just a manly thing to like sports, and I know women like sports too, that's okay, but I'm saying that I like sports to lead into the message today, and there are two sports that I really think, actually three, that I think require a lot of effort, and I'm saying this to lead into what I want you to know about drawing closer to Christ. Uh, there's a football player who's retired now, but he was with a particular team. I won't mention the team because you might say, uh, and you get distracted from what the real point is. So I'll forget the team. I'll forget the player. And you can ask me afterwards, and I might tell you for a price. But this boy, when he was seven, wanted to be a football player in the National Football League, and he dreamed about playing for this team, this one team. He was really an idolater in a lot of ways as a young boy can be. And he uh, was told as he grew up into high school and went to college and the draft day came, he was told by a lot of professional scouts, by the experts who knows about football, they said, uh, this guy's too small. He's only five foot nine. You're too small. He weighed 200 pounds, uh, but you're still too small. And not only that, when they ran him for test, he was too slow in the 40 yard dash. Too slow, too small. Everything seemed to be against this guy to excel in the NFL. But he really wanted to be a pro football player and a particular team. Well, he was drafted by this team. Like, his numbers are real low. He wasn't a first round, but it was way down, way down here. He got drafted, and he went to this team, went to spring camp and all that, uh, summer camp. 
and he played for this team for over 10 years. His dream as a little boy was, I want to be the NFL leading rusher of all time, which is like a pretty big goal. Now, usually a boy wishes to be on the team to make the roster, which would be an achievement. And then the dream is to become a starter on the team, which is an achievement. And to be a star on the team, which is a great achievement. You don't just come on a team because you've got good looks. He didn't have good looks. <laughs> he made the roster, didn't play the first few games. He got put in as a late in the game when they were really ahead, and he got a few yards. The next game actually got 109 yards. The next game, he was the starting uh, running back because the other players were injured. <laughs> so they had no choice. They had to put this rookie on the team, and he never stopped starting after that. He became an all-pro player. Uh, four times in his football career in 10 years, he led the league in rushing, which is very difficult to do. Three years in a row, he led the league in rushing three consecutive years. This guy who's too small and too slow. I'm making a point here. By the end of his career, well, let me say this. In one Super Bowl, he had broken his collarbone. He refused to get out of the game. This man is crazy. And he had a broken collarbone. He played and he scored three touchdowns with a broken collarbone. Incredible. He made All-Pro five times, eight times. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's a great player for a football player. The thing I look at that and I see is this. Here's a kid who wanted to be something and he didn't just dream about it. He did everything he could as a kid growing up through high school, through college to become a professional player. Now, he paid the price to become a professional player. He paid the price to become a star. He paid the price to become a Hall of Famer. He paid the price to become the all-time leading rusher in history. Now, don't ask me if I'm not going to tell you. But I'll tell you this. Carlton met him at the Hilton one year when they came to the Hilton for the Pro Bowl. He told me about that story. Not a very nice guy. But as far as the football player is concerned, as far as wanting to be not just on the roster, but wanting to excel, here's my point. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, you're born again, now you need to know that first of all. If you're saved, you are on, quote, God's team. Okay? You're on God's team. You are, quote, on the roster. Okay? I hope you understand the analogy here. And you are on the team. Unlike a football team, you cannot be cut. You cannot be rejected because of poor performance. Do you know Chris Mafalo, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played five years as a, as a third down uh, fullback and also special teams? He got traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that horrible team in Florida. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville Pussycats, Jacksonville Kittens. He played there two years. On the second year, every player has to go through preseason. Back then, they had four preseason games. Look at what happened here. After three preseason games, he was doing very well. He was started to be uh, on the team, make the roster. But on the fourth preseason game, he had to come home because of a funeral for his sister, Florida to Hawaii. While he was gone, a substitute took his place, the fullback place. That guy did so well, they told Chris, don't bother to come back. He got cut because he missed one game and someone took his spot and that person impressed the coaches and they cut him. He became expendable, piece of meat. 
Now, on God's team, on God's roster, you can never be cut. Okay, so let's, let's think like that. You can never lose your spot on the roster. You're on the team no matter what, no matter how bad you are as a player or as a Christian, okay? Isn't that kind of good to know that no matter how bad you are, God will not cut you? Amen. You ought to appreciate that because people are afraid in pro sports of getting cut from the roster. Have a bad year, you get cut. Every year, God, kids come up from college, they try to replace the veterans. It's a terrifying, scary proposition. You may have a long-term contract. It doesn't matter. If this guy's much better than you, if he scores a little bit more than you, another point or two, you can get cut. On God's team, you can never get cut. You're eternally secure, which is a good thing to know. All right? All right, so I like sports, and sports has, to me, a lot of illustration of biblical truth. So on this, on this young man, he tried to be the best he could be at his position, and he became really great. He was not content to just be on the team. He wanted to do very well and become a star on the team. Now, here's the thing I want to tell you. To draw closer to Christ, this is for saved people. You cannot just be content to be on the roster. You can't be happy just to be saved. You have to think, I want to be more than just a team member. I want to excel as a Christian for Jesus Christ. I will say this to you, factually, there's a lot of people that are just content to be on the roster. What do you do for a living? I'm on the Jacksonville Jaguars, excuse me, Jacksonville Kitty Cats. I'm on the Green Bay Packers. Wow, you read something. Well, do you start, uh, I'm on the practice team. On every football team, there's a practice squad, and then they practice, they practice against the first team deal, offense or defense. So you gotta have good athletes on the team to compete in practice against the starting defense and offense. You gotta have them. You gotta have a quarterback who's not good enough to be first team starter, but he's good enough to throw a ball right to, to mimic the opposing team. You gotta have those people on the, that's why they have big rosters. Uh, do you start? No. Well, are you second team? No. What are you? I'm on a practice squad. They hang their head down. I'm on a practice squad. That means you don't travel on away games. That means you stay home. You let first string, second string, third string, they go, they fly to the next the away game, and you want to practice them, you stay home and you watch it on TV. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of, oh man, it's deflating. Your ego's deflated. And so some of the players, they want like this one I opened with, he wants not just to be on the run, he wants to be a starter. I'm gonna tell you this. As a saved Christian, as a saved person, Christian saved, okay. You, you don't want to just be on the team. You are on the team. Don't want to be content that you want to be better than that. You don't want to be like every other Christian, just nominal, just passive, just go through life, you know, just day by day, Sunday by Sunday, drifting downstream. You don't want to be like that. You want to be exceptional, okay? Now, who, who agrees that as a Christian, you should be exceptional? Not really sure? Okay. Let me tell you, you should want to be exceptional like a player wants to be exceptional on his team. So here's how you can be exceptional in rowing closer to Christ, all right? First of all, you need to explore the word. Explore the word. Uh, in John 5.39, he says this, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they, the scriptures, are they which testify of me. So the first thing I want to tell you is you need to explore the scriptures. If you want to draw closer to Christ, you must spend time in the scriptures. You must explore it. You must dig into it. 
uh, <coughs> cliches irritate me. Cliches are words that phrases used that are overused. They are irritating. They're redundant. They uh, almost lazy. Cliches. Uh, but there's one cliche that does make a little bit of sense, and that cliche is dive deeper. We need to dive deeper into. This. Let's dive deep into this. Well, that is to say, let's get below the surface of an issue. Let's really get down. Let's drill down deep. That's another cliche. It is what it is. It's another cliche that drives me crazy. It is what it is. So cliche is a way of expressing something, and it's kind of like, uh, but a deep dive is something that's almost good. It's almost good because you want to deep dive into the Bible to know more about Jesus Christ. Now, um, Chris, talking about Chris again, and talking about this first player, this unknown player. You heard of the unknown soldier, the tomb of the unknown soldier? This is the unknown football player. Both of them, they're given playbooks. On a ring binder that's four inches thick. Chris told me, oh, Pastor, so much to know. <laughs> now, Chris is just a regular guy from Hawaii, okay? Just a local guy from Hawaii. And, um, not an exceptional student like most locals are. They just get by. He says, oh, man, when I, I thought college was I said, when I got to the pros, they're faster, they're bigger, and then the playbook is thicker. Two binders, two binders of plays for his position. Incredible information to digest. He says, I had to learn this particular play. There's, there's uh, key words, and uh, when, the, when the play is called in the huddle by the quarterback, I have to know what that's all about. He says, I had to go to, to summer camp. He says, it was so hard. The mental aspect was so hard. The physical aspect was so hard. But if I wanted to do good on this team and be a starter, I had to know how to do physical things. I had to know the playbook. You have to explore the Word of God if you are to get closer to Christ. You cannot just be content with, yeah, I believe Jesus was virgin born. Yeah, I believe that He rose from the dead. Yeah, I believe He's coming back. You got to go beyond that. You just cannot be content with just important things. You have to know more about those things and other things about Jesus Christ. There's a lot more to know about Him that's revealed in the Bible. Now, I would not go to other sources than the Bible, other than if it's maybe commentaries or resources that support the Bible. A lot of books that are written and a lot of things that are said about Christ is not true in this world. You realize that. But go to the scriptures, dig deep, dive deeper. That's how you get closer to Christ, by knowing about Him. You have to explore the Bible. Now, a lot of saved people believe the Bible, they're familiar with basic truths, but they don't know all the plays. So with that analogy, here's what I want to say again. He had to know plays for his position when he gets the ball, when he blocks. He also has to know when he gets the ball, when he blocks, and when he has and what other players are doing around him. So he has to know his specific scope and the scope of the team around him, what the play is. The play could be going over here, and he has to do certain things. Everyone has a role in a play. Each play has bearing on the success of that play. If he doesn't get the ball, he still has to do something to distract the defense, to help the play be successful. He has to know all those things. And the play is called, all right, here's what I'm going to call it. A, B, C, D, on two. Ready, hut. 
A, B, C, D, let's see, which comes first, A, B. He has to know all those things instantly. And that's why people get cut because they don't know the place instantly. Mentally, they're not there, they're distracted. Mentally, they're not focused, they're foggy in their brain. And when the play is caught and in the heat of a game, you are just, your, your heart is pumping and you are just so excited and you, you, you know how it is when you're under stress, you forget things. He has to know the place for himself and for everybody else. They have to react instantly when a play is called. They have to know what to do. How many steps to run, when to turn, how to block, how to do this, how to... It has, it's so specific. He has to know the playbook. You have to explore the word to know Jesus Christ, to be close to him. All right? You cannot be content with just surface things. You got to go a little bit deeper than that. I challenge you to not be content to just know the surface. Get below. Get deeper. Hebrews 5.12 says, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong drink, uh, strong meat. So uh, the writer here of Hebrews says, You know what? I'm going to criticize you. <laughs> Is that okay? I'm going to criticize you. I'm going to find fault with you. You folk, I've taught you over and over, he says, but you still need to be taught again. You just cannot express yourself and teach others. You cannot, you cannot explain, articulate what the Bible says about A, B, C, D. You have to come and ask me again, again, and again about how to explain this to somebody. He says, you ought to be teachers by now. But, you, but you, you, you're not teaching because you're still sucking a baby bottle. Now, who are baby bottles for? It's not for a 12-year-old. You imagine a 12-year-old boy, six foot five. You imagine going to uh, college and uh, time for breakfast, and he says, where's my bottle? <laughs> bottle? You're 20 years old. I know, but I like drink from bottle. Now, something is meant to be wrong with that child or that young man, because at that stage, he should be drinking like a man. Right? He should be eating steak. What man does not like steak? Qualification. Well done. And so, the criticism in Hebrews 5 is that you folks ought to be teachers by now, but you're still sucking on milk. Something is not right. I hate to tell you this, but something's not right with some of you. Now, if I said something's not right with some Christians, you wouldn't be upset with that. But if I said something's not right with you, you say, well, are you talking about me? I don't know. Am I? Am I talking about you? I don't know. Uh, some of you, some of you good Christians, you're, you're good people. I understand that. Don't take this wrong. But I'll tell you this to preface that by saying to you, you're good folk. You're here because you're good people, all right? In that sense, you're good. You're not, you're not, you're not uh, anti-Bible. You're not anti-Christ. You are a Christian. You want to do right. That's why you're in church. You don't want to be a bad Christian. You want to be a better Christian. That's why you're in church. That's why you make the effort to get up on a cold morning, put on some uh, winter clothes and get to church and get and all this effort you take. Get, that's why you do it because you want to be a better Christian, I suppose. I will assume that. But some of you here, you're babies. You are still babies. The, the milk of the word is what you thrive on 
but when it gets to sandwich food, hamburger, uh, meat, little heavier stuff, You ever see, you ever see my grandson, uh, what's his name, uh, the thumb sucker? Benjamin. Benjamin. Benjamin's like this. Every morning, I take him for a walk in a circle. He's walking like this. Benjamin, why are you sucking your thumb? He does this. He might as well say that awful word. I don't know. <laughs> sucking his thumb. He just, I'm surprised he got a fingerprint on his thumb. It's like by erosion, it's all gone. I mean, he could be a good thief, you know, use that. Can't track him down when he's older. Future ministry, a thief. There's a lot of people like that, I'm afraid to say, that are just thumb suckers. They're just immature. They can't handle some things in the Bible. It offends them. They're easily offended. They're hurt. Their feelings get hurt real easy because they're babies. I mean... You gotta be able to tell someone who's been saved for a few years, you know what, stop doing that, you backslider. You call me a backslider? How dare you call me a backslider? Tell me that one more time and I'm leaving church. You're a baby. You're a baby. You're a baby. Say with me, you're a baby. Now, you're a baby if you don't say it with me. You're a baby. Yeah. Mm. Look, look, you gotta stop being so lazy. You know, you're lazy. You're lazy. Oh, man. I'm trying to get a job. Well, have you looked? No, because they won't hire me. Well, the job fairs. They say, whatever scenario you take, people always have an excuse to not do some things because they don't want to make an effort. They're lazy. And if you discern after a period of time, you see, you know what the problem is? It's not the job market. It's that you don't want to work. You don't want to work. You tell me I'm lazy? Yes. I'm out of here. Why do you think that way? Because you're a thumb sucker. You're a baby. You're immature. You're on milk. You should be on meat. Well, would you like to... Uh, I, I, you've been saved for 15 years. That's a long time. Uh, you ought to be able to teach a class of some kind. You ought to be able to witness a, a profit efficiently. I don't know what to say. Are you serious? You need to explore the word and start to grow up and digest more than just the milk of the word. I'm going to say amen to myself because that's true. All right, so a lot of safe people just content to know that they're on the team and that can, and that's all there is. They won't go any further. Got to get beyond the basics. Got to know more than just the milk of the word. And so like a football player has to know a lot of things in that playbook, so do you and so, does, so do I need to excel in some things. Acts 17, 11, a familiar verse says this. Uh, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now, Psalm tells us this. Oh, how I hope, oh, how love I thy law. Here's my meditation all the day. Okay, let's take those two verses and say something about that. Search the scriptures every day. It is my meditation all the day. You know what that tells me? The Bible requires time. It requires us to make time for it. It requires us to have our mind on it. Not just in church, but throughout the day, which is like throughout our life. 
Oh, wait a minute now. You mean the Bible, tell me that the Bible, it, it, to me to get close to Christ, I have to spend time thinking about the Bible outside of church? Got it. You're very perceptive. You're really good. We say in the 60s, the hippies just say it right on. Now they say spot on. I still say right on because I'm an old-fashioned hippie, although I never was a hippie. I was a Beatlemaniac, but not a hippie. Quite different. Now listen, you're going to have to spend time in the Bible, you're going to have to explore the Bible, and let that thing get into you where it's a routine for you to think about it throughout the day. It doesn't mean you don't go to work. It doesn't mean you don't do domestic things. It doesn't mean you don't carry out routines of your life. It does mean that when you're doing these things, something's on your mind besides other things that's on your mind. I will grant you this, everybody's got things in their minds like we all do. Everybody does. You cannot possibly... <coughs> Are you offended? You can't possibly think about the Bible all the time and ignore other things, all right? Responsibilities, obligations, you must take care of them. But why are you doing that? Is it possible for you to have a meditative thought about the Bible verses you read in the morning? Is it possible to think about some things you heard connected to Scripture? Yes. And that's what you should do. Meditate on the Word all the day. Connect life with what the Bible is saying. Connect life to how Jesus would respond to certain situations. More about Jesus. What I learned. More of his holy will. Discern. And that's what you and I need to do. To get closer to Christ, we need to explore the word. And so, Jesus answered the Pharisees and said to them, You err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. It is a problem that we try to draw nigh to Christ without knowing the Bible. It is not possible. And so we got to get beyond certain basic things and go a little bit deeper in our dive to know the Word of God, and especially, in, particularly, to know more about Jesus Christ. And so we need to explore the Word. Number two, we need to experience the walk. Experience the walk. So we need to know what the Bible says by exploring it, but then it leads us to experiencing walking with Christ to get closer to Him. It's one thing, it's an important thing up here to understand intellectually what God said about His Son and what God says about life. But we need to experience the walk, the walk with Christ. In 1 John 2, 6, it says this, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So I began by saying, you, this is for Christians drawing closer. It's for Christians so you're in the body of Christ. You belong to Christ. You're on the roster. You're on the team. You never be removed from the team. Yet, you cannot be content to just be a member of the squad. Not the other squad, but God's team. Quote and unquote. So, because we're on his team, we need to abide in him, which means we ought to walk as he walked. Now, the word walk... It's another way of saying we need to live. We need to live as he lived. Well, how can you live as Christ then unless you explore the Bible about Jesus Christ? So now we need to know that, but even as we're learning about that, we need to, need to walk according to what the Bible says as a Christian. Walk as he walked, live as he lived. And so that is what you need to do. In John 13, 15, for I have given you an example you should do as I have done to you. 
all right, you know, when it comes to the foot washing thing, humility of service, okay, true, that's the point. But the fact is, the principle tells us, I have given an example. So who is our example as to how we should walk, how we should live? What's the Lord himself? So when we go through the life of Christ, when we study the gospel, we study the New Testament, we see, we see in those verses, we see there below, we see, we, we see below the surface, we see this is what Christ would do if he were here. Now the Southern Baptist years ago had a little campaign going on nationally called uh, um, um, What Would Jesus Do? WWJD. Okay, it was a clever slogan and it did make some sense. And it does tell me that when we examine the scriptures and we express walk with him, <laughs> we begin to know how he would respond. Therefore, my example did it this way. Therefore, I need to do it this way as well. So we need to live out what we say we believe. We need to practice what we say we know is the Bible. We need to just execute what the Bible says about Christ and how he lived and how he responds to people. A perfect example. Now, you can't follow somebody else as an example of uh, what a Christian ought to be totally because everyone is flawed. Now, if you know that you're flawed, raise your hand. All right. The ones who didn't raise their hand, you're not listening or you, you're still sleeping or you're too cold. You can't think straight. But everybody's flawed, okay? I mean, really. Everybody's flawed. So if you follow a Christian, remember, in the back of your mind, I can only follow that Christian so far. Because inevitably that Christian is going to fail me. And I cannot follow him totally. I must follow the one that he is following. I must follow the one he is following. So here is, here is Christ. Here is your example. And this is you. Okay? So you can follow him as long as he's following Christ. But if this guy takes a fall, you don't take a fall. How many people have fallen because their leader has fallen? Huh? How many people have dropped out because their leader has dropped out? How many people have been shocked at a revelation about a man who they respected and followed for years and listened to all his tapes and books and sermons and everything, and all of a sudden it's been revealed that this guy's a real reprobate? And you say, oh, well, of course you feel that way. But remember, he's not your example. Christ is my example, all right? So he's not flawed, he's flawed, you're flawed. You don't follow a flawed man totally. You follow him as he follows Christ, like Paul said, but if he falls, okay, you just follow him, all right? And so you have to walk the walk, experience the walk, follow him as your example. It's really sad when that happens, but you and I should not give up on Christ because others have. Because we're not following other people. Right? Well, he said, and you look at he preached about love and he is so hateful. You know what I would say to that? So? I mean, that's too bad, isn't it? I mean, that really is too bad. Well, he preaches about giving so much, he talks about faith, and that guy, we found out that guy's a, he's a real pake. He's stingy. So, 
Do you have to be because he is? You found that out? That's a bad thing to find out, but he's flawed. He's got things to work on. Well, he talks so much about these Christian virtues, and he doesn't even practice that. He talks about patience, and I saw him at that Walmart. I saw him at Walmart. Be careful who you might run into Walmart. I saw him at Walmart, and he was at the um, self-checkout, and the thing, he was fussing with that self-checkout machine because it wasn't fast enough. And he hit that thing, and he caused a commotion. They had to call security. And worst of all, he had a shirt that says, Jesus saves. <laughs> worst of that, the back of his shirt had the church name on it. You idiot. And then we were out golfing, and uh, he swung so hard, he missed the ball, and he fell over. And we laughed at him, and he got mad at us. Now, come on, guys. If you swing on a golf ball, and you miss, and you fall on your face, it's laughable. <laughs> you should laugh. That is hilarious. And you got mad, you in the huff, you left, and you're just on the first hole. <laughs> on the first hole, you cried and went home, got in your car, and you threw your club down, you took off. Lost your temper. Oh, boy. Experience the walk. You know when Jesus walked on earth, he lived on earth, he was pleasing to his father. The father said of his son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Another time at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. Now that's a very unique experience, unique to Jesus Christ alone. If somebody tells you, I was at the park, I was at Capulet Park, and then there's a bright light, bright noonday sun. I looked up, I squinted, and then heard a voice. There's the voice of the Son of God. And if that person swears by that and he passed the lie detector test, Something is spooky there. That is not God. That's not God. That's something else. But Jesus Christ heard his father say that, and others witnessed that uh, statement by his father. Uh, the thing you want to know is that uh, Christ lived on earth. He walked on earth to please his father deliberately. He deliberately lived to please his heavenly father. And all that he said and did was pleasing to him. Never did anything wrong, of course, as a man. And so... Uh, the Lord knew exactly why he was on earth the Lord knew why he was sent to earth the Lord, knew, the Lord knew how to live on earth on purpose to glorify his father on purpose to please his father he experienced the walk of pleasing his father John 8 29 and he that sent me is with me the father hath not left me alone for I do always those things that please him John 8 29 that's quite a statement. Jesus said, everything I do is pleasing to the Father. One day in heaven, everything you do will be pleasing to God. One day in heaven, everything you say and do will be okay. It'll be approved with the good housekeeping seal of approval. Everything will be perfect in heaven one day. Everything you say is pleasing to the Father. But we're not there. We're here. So the effort has to be on our part to live to please our Father, to be approved of Him. That's quite a challenge, but you need to walk. You need to experience the walking with Christ so that you can glorify Him, so you can be closer to Him. 
draw nigh to God, he would draw nigh to you. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is the reward in the context of what I'm saying today, of diligently seeking him? What is the reward? You draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. That's the reward that you want to have. You want to draw nigh to him, reward, he'll draw more nigh to you. You want to be closer to him, okay. You need to walk, you need to live, you need to express walking with him. As if it's a daily relationship with someone that's real. Now a lot of people naturally don't think Christ is real, but we accept it intellectually. Yeah, he's the son of God, he came, yeah, I, I, I accept it intellectually. But to actually experience or feel or to feel, to feel it, it's another story. Now, I'm careful about what I'm trying to explain because I want you to get it wrong. And if I get it wrong, you know I don't mean it like this. But we believe what the Bible says intellectually. We accept it, we don't question it. There's doubtful things, there's questionable things, there's deep things, but we know that there's gonna be an answer that's in harmony with the scripture. We don't say it's in error, intellectually. But we don't always feel the presence of God in our lives. We don't always feel like he's close to us. We know that he's close to us. The Psalms are over and over again beating it, beating it into our heads that Christ is with us, that God is with us. He'll never leave us and we're saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Go walk through, thou shalt death. Thou art with me. We, we accept that intellectually, but to feel it is another thing. To feel it is another thing. To have this connection, to have this bond with Christ, we don't feel that. Especially Baptist people, they're so emotionless. We're so, ugh. we're like the walking dead. I never saw it, but we're like the walking dead. We are alive, but we're dead. We have no feelings at all. We just have an intellectual agreement with what the Bible says. And that's where we are a lot of times. We don't have any feelings. We're just almost robotic. And we're not AI. <laughs> we're just robotic. Just we sometimes express like going through the motions. That's how sometimes we can become. You don't want to get like that. You don't want to become emotional, emotional less. Now I'm emotional less in my personality. I have no feelings. My wife knows it. You ask her, does your husband have feelings? She'll say, I don't know, I can't tell sometimes. I don't know if he's even alive. He just sits there and doesn't, he blinks, so I know he's breathing. <laughs> I, I, I'm a real quiet person. You know what I mean? I have to force myself to talk. I have to force myself to have a conversation. I know it's good for me and it's good for other people, so I make myself do it, but I, I'm happy being by myself. Are you like me? Don't be like me. <laughs> don't be that example like me. I... But I, feelings are not easy for me to have. I have feelings. They're, um, uh, it's, a, it's subjective, it's by choice, but I have feelings. I have feelings of pain. My threshold is very low, very small. Uh, I get a splinter to my finger, it paralyzes my whole body. A little small thing, sliver, it paralyzes me. I can't do anything. Oh honey, I can't do this anymore because I can't, my finger's got a splinter right there. Oh, I'm a baby sometimes when it comes to pain. Dentist, if I could avoid the dentist, I would avoid the dentist. And I did when I was a boy for years. But as an adult, I gotta go to the dentist every time, you know. I, but I, when I, x-ray time, oh no. Again? 
You just did one three years ago, actually got again. Open your mouth, shove that thing to prop your, your jaw open. That is so gaggy. I'm a gagger. Why am I telling you these things? I'm telling these things because I'm telling you that I have certain things about me, like you have certain things about you. And sometimes we can have the common thing of being emotionless. No feelings. But we have to experience walking with Christ, which gives us feelings. The nearness of Christ, the 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 comfort of Christ. Sometimes we don't we don't feel that. But he's very close to us. Now, come to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's as if we're afraid of expressing our feelings. Why is that a good thing? Sometimes you need to just keep it to yourself. I understand that. The context determines expressing feelings. But when you look at these verses, it gives you feelings. Let me see if I'm right. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 6. You know, these are good verses. Begin at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Our hope of salvation is real. It's not just a wishful thought. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, while he rose, we will rise too. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I'm going to heaven because I trusted in Christ. So are you if you trust in Christ. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. I'm on the roster. I won't be removed from the roster. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be reviewed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice because of those truths, yes, greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be. Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now all this is about having, having the sense, the feeling that Christ is close to you. And you have that sense that's close to you by having to go through some trials. Notice this says in verse number 6, If need be, what need be? We're in great rejoicing. Though now for a season, for a period of time, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now the scripture is teaching us here that sometimes the trials that we go through makes us get closer to Christ. The problems we experience makes us get closer to Him. You have examined the scriptures. You know that he's with you. Now as you experience walking with him, you say, oh yeah, this is, yeah. The Lord is close to me through this than he ever was before when I didn't have problems. If need be is to say, sometimes God sends trials your way because you're not so close to him. And because of the trials, you now will become closer to him. You become dependent on yourself. Now you're going to be dependent upon Christ again. You've been trusting yourself or others, and now you're going to trust in Him because there's no other way through this except getting closer to Him. The trials of your faith, He says, if need be. I don't like those if need be's, but He does say if need be. Sometimes you need to be brought low so you can become closer to Christ. You need to experience the walk of a Christian having trouble 
so that you realize how good he is. You know intellectually he's close to you. He's your shepherd. But you don't feel it. But now you're forced to feel it. Now there's emotion involved. It's not just here. So you can't divorce the two, but sometimes you do. Walking with him, experiencing the walk will get us closer to him, especially through trials. You, you feel closer to him because of what you go through that's hard. Now, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Fellowship of his sufferings. Well, we do know what it's like. We do want. We do have a feeling of what Christ went through, how he must have felt as a man, because when we suffer, maybe not to that degree that he suffered, we we can we can feel we enter into his sorrows, and he in turn enters into our sorrows when we go through some hard times. I don't know how Job felt, but I suspect. We know somehow Job felt when he lost everything. But you really understand how Job must have felt when you lose something precious to you. Otherwise, it's just intellectual. Um, when the fire hit Maui, it suddenly dawned upon us who don't live on Maui. And we've heard about tragedies on the mainland, natural disasters on the mainland. In other parts of the world, we say, oh, that's too bad. Oh, thousands of people got killed. Oh, devastation. Fort Myers, I remember Fort Myers, Florida, the hurricane came through. And uh, my brother-in-law in Michigan, they bought a house down in Fort Myers, Florida, in the Gulf Coast side. And that thing came right through Fort Myers, and they lost the lower floor of their house. They built a two-floor place, and uh, they lost the bottom. As many other people did, they lost the whole thing. And they went down there and had to remove drywall as fast as possible to rent Mulu and everything kind of rot going on. They're still working on the thing. They recently came back up from Florida, back to Michigan. And uh, it's one thing to hear about things, tragic things, natural disasters, and say, oh, it's another thing to know someone who lost their home. And now the awe is like a different kind of awe. And then you hear about people's loss, people's tragic. Veteran comes home from deployment, lost a leg, lost an arm, lost an eye. You say, oh, but then it's your son. It's your son. And it's your daughter. Now, why should the daughter be in that place? I have no idea. But the son has lost his eyesight. Now, it's a different feeling when your son lost his eyesight than some other American soldier who lost his eyesight. And even worse, when a son, you get the message, your son was killed in combat. And uh, it's another thing to hear about other men's sons getting killed in combat. Now your son, see there's a different feeling to that, isn't there? It's more personal now. And it's through trial and hardship and sorrow that you feel the presence of Christ and you're drawing closer to him and you experience and walk with him. How precious, and how does Peter express that, that uh, you love him though you haven't seen him and unto you that believe he is precious? How do you know he's precious to you? Intellectually, by ex exploring scriptures, yes, but by experience you know it's precious to you. You just don't know until you go through some stuff. And sometimes that's the only way you know that he is precious and that he is close to you. And you really understand that he is emotionally, intellectually understand it, but now it's an emotional thing. That I may know him, Philippians 3.10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
the fellowship of his suffering. So Peter says the trials, uh, if need be, draw us closer to him. You ever been in a tight spot? You ever, you can go either way. Uh, a child is sick, on a high fever, you put that child in the tub, try to cool him off, get a, uh, a cool uh, hand towel uh, or washcloth and put it on his forehead. He still is not cooling off. It's scary. When your firstborn has a fever like that, you try to call, you, you know, you can't get in response and you're left to, it's just you, your wife, and the child trying to cool off in the tub with a rag on his head, trying to get his fever down, and you're pretty much helpless. You first start about that with other people, and now it's your own son. Now it's a different feeling. You have to experience that to know I'm totally dependent on God to help us. You have to experience the walk to draw closer to Him. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have suffering to experience closer to Him, because a lot of good Christians suffer, a lot of Christians don't suffer as much, and they're as close to Christ. So I'm not saying it has to be that way all the time. I'm just saying it's it can happen like that. So draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. And these are some things that God uses to have you draw closer to Him. Trials of life for you to experience His presence. Now, I, I, I suppose that these things are kind of more personal to me than just preaching it. It's easy to preach this thing, to be truth with you. What man doesn't find these things easy to preach because it is factually truthful? And uh, but to to for it that it is personal, it, it makes it more real. Um, now, my sister-in-law Melissa. She was in a life death situation on Saturday. We just found on Saturday. And it's different from just hearing about it by other people. We have a friend over in Texas where uh, in my daughter's church, uh, you've heard about her, Donna. She has some real serious problems. Okay, that's more personal than a stranger. Your prayer request, oh uh, yeah, you pray about the person, kind of like cursory, it doesn't mean much to you. Most people like that, you know, we, we pray about something dutifully, respectfully, but it doesn't affect us. But when it's more personal, it affects you more. And then of course, uh, you know, my wife going to have that biopsy thing and the mass on her liver. Those things are scary. I keep telling uh, the doctor, I'm more nervous than she is. You know why? Because it's real personal. It's not a play thing. It's a real thing. Possibilities are there that we don't want to talk about. And so what does that do? It makes us closer to Christ. We draw nigh to him so that he can draw nigh to us. So you have to explore the scriptures. You have to experience the walk. Those are two points in this three-point sermon. <laughs> I hope you take it to heart. I hope you become um, more, more focused on your walk with Christ. You're experiencing a closeness to him. Uh, hope you don't have to go through hardships to experience that, but experience it because... That's what God wants you to walk as he walked and live as he lived and that you would have a faith that is real, not just uh, academic. Not just academic. Uh, you know where you backslide most of all? You know where the easiest place to backslide? It's in a good church. Because you know the truth. 
and you can go through the motions day by day and you can mask a lot of things it's easy way to backslide because there's an assumption everybody's spiritual and you, you should be decent in your behavior outwardly you should be respectful and all that but maybe uh, maybe sometimes we can become too mechanical too heartless even though we talk about having a heart for God you can become passionless we talk about passion you can become emotionless even though we talk about having the feelings that we should have and uh, everything's just intellectual that's a bad situation to become to get into you need to keep right here and keep right here so let's draw not to Christ let's draw not to God so he can draw not to us he's where you left him he's where you left him all right some of us need to grow up we need to grow up we need to stop pampering ourselves and calling ourselves we need to stop we need to stop making excuses for ourselves why you cannot be a, a better Christian you need to learn more than just a cursory playbook you need to get into the plays of the Bible and live and perform as you should and not just be day by day again no 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 let's get close to God let's get close to Christ let's not just be the nominal type of Christian that we're so tired of let's just be Christian that are honoring to God really and walk as he walked and experience the walk and hear the testimonies of I want to just say God's being so good to me this week now it's okay if you say well 20 years ago God was so close to me well brother that was 20 years ago he was close to you any testimonies today any words of praise pastor I just want to thank God that he answered a prayer of mine 15 years ago well how about recently how about recently how about something not, not so historically in another era? Well, okay. If it's so, it's so. But, uh, I mean, you ought to have a living, breathing, real relationship with Christ. Amen? All right. I'll put the paddle away. Done. But now you, you take charge of your life in the sense of being responsible and getting close to Christ because the promise is he'll draw nigh to you if, if, if you draw nigh to him. Well, Pastor, that was really good. I really needed that. Okay, fine. Now do something about it. How soon I came to church? That was so good. Well, don't do something about it. All right? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> now, Lord, tonight, uh, this morning, I pray to help us, help us to draw nigh to you. Now, God forbid that you would bring tragedy for us to draw nigh to you. God forbid that we would cruise through life because everything is fine, everything is okay, nothing is wrong, no breakdowns of cars, no house fires, no tragedies, no loss of life, no loss of limb, everything is fine. And Lord, we would appreciate that for sure if you give us a peaceful, pleasant life like that. And we're grateful for most of us it's like that. And we would not welcome trials that causes us to to, out of desperation call for your help we would hope that we would call for your help all the time all the time in routine things we would be dependent upon you all the time not just when we are in a jam so Lord I don't know what I don't know what it would be for us to draw close to do except some of these things that I mentioned from the Bible 
But Lord, I sure don't want anything bad to happen to anybody so that they would then wake up and draw closer to you and have a real living relationship with you. I pray that we would have that because of what the Bible says. And we would pursue you because of what the Bible says. And not wait to the last minute. And I'm praying that you would help us to draw close to you as a church. But that doesn't work unless the individuals do that. So Lord, wake us up out of our slumber and help us to realize that as we explore the Bible, we'll realize that we need to experience walking with you like we should. So Lord, help us with that. Lord, help us with that. Now, our heads are bowed, and before we finish the service with today, before, before God, would you say, Pastor, I want to draw closer to God, closer to Christ. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to have a living relationship with Christ. I want to feel His presence. I want to feel. I want to know. I know He's with me, but I want to feel His closeness to me because I'm truly dependent upon Him. And I want to trust Him through all circumstances and all experiences. And as I walk with Him, come with me, I will stay close to Him. I will stay close to Him. Come with me, I will be close to Him. That's how I feel. That's what I want to do this year. I want to draw nigh to God. And would you pray for me that I will be diligent and not give up when things fall apart, that I will stay on track, and I want to follow Christ and be close to Him. Would you raise your hand for prayer today? All right. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. Bless your people. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Give them direction. Help them be faithful to you. Help them to trust you. Help them to feel your presence. I know feelings aren't everything, but feelings are part of life, part of living. Help us to feel that. Help us to bond with you like that. Reward your people, Lord, by being closer to them because they are drawing closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.